Wow. Bud Light just just can't get a win. And even when they do get sort of a win, it turns out to be kind of a loser, because I can tell you. When Bud Light fans, former fans, find out who just made a huge investment in the company, I guarantee you guys, you know what? They're definitely not coming back because this is one globalist they tend not to like. Meanwhile, it seems that Denver, Denver just uh, handed $4.7 million to Black Lives Matter protesters. What is this, like a get-out-of-jail-free card, like literally? You go and you protest, you cause all kinds of property damage, and suddenly the city hands you nearly $5 million. Is this what uh, is actually going to pull Black Lives Matter out of bankruptcy? Meanwhile, we got word today that the Biden administration is actually sending some really serious weaponry, like really serious weaponry, over to Ukraine. This stuff can do a whole lot of damage. You know, for a group of people that are so obsessed with the environment, you got to ask yourself, why would, why would they do this? Why would they actually send these uranium-filled weapons? We're, we're going to get into all of that. Great to have you here. Welcome, everyone, to the Trish Regan Show. I am Trish. If you haven't subscribed, do me the favor of doing that right now. You know, in yesterday's live stream, and this is live. I can see all your comments. In yesterday's live stream, we actually went totally down, like totally out. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen happen. The computer even shut down. I was joking that I must have gotten a little too close to home on a few too many things. Anyway, uh, all the more reason for you to subscribe. So do me that favor. Make sure you subscribe to the program. It's good to have you here. You know, I should point out portions of the show are brought to you by our friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. If you're interested in investing in gold or silver, if you're worried about inflation like I am, give them a ring. 1-866-589-0560. 1-866-589-0560. Okay, let's kick it off with Bud Light. So Bud Light has a new investor. And by the way, they have a new commercial too. Another new commercial. You see, they keep coming out with all these commercials, but no amount of money spent is ever going to do the damage that has already been done by that. Oh, that one influencer is the, is the CEO of Anheuser-Busch known as AB InBev likes to say it was just one influencer, just one campaign, you know, buddy, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Anyway, they got uh, none other than this gentleman, Bill Gates, who is not necessarily popular among the rank and file Bud Light, traditional Bud Light drinkers, of which there are very few anymore. This would be Bill Gates, as I said, very much sort of uh, focused around a, a global mandate He's very much into vaccines, of course, has pushed those aggressively. Well, here he is about a year ago on one of my former networks, CNBC, talking about how great ESG investing is, environmental social governance, which, by the way, is one of the reasons they're in the mess they're in. Anyway, he says that, you know, Larry Fink is like the bomb and Larry Fink, who runs BlackRock, who's making all these decisions on whether or not to invest in a company based on how ESG-friendly it is. Oh, well, you know, he's just great. Here he is. I, I just want to jog your memory. No matter what you do. Well, BlackRock and Larry in particular are a great example of private sector leadership. You know, anyone who says that climate shouldn't be a factor in how you evaluate the future of a company, you know, isn't, uh, that's not capitalism because, Companies that have emissions, you know, they are going to be subject to uh, border adjustment tariffs or taxes. Uh, you also have to think about companies, you know, if you're dealing with uh, severe weather events, that's got to be factored in is the company. Okay, okay. so he's trying to justify somehow that Larry Fink and BlackRock, they're all correct to make all these 
demands of companies and that that is really capitalist in its origin. I've argued that it's actually a backdoor way into a communist style regime, right? Where like one asset management company gets to make the rules for everyone else. Well, in the case of BlackRock, they kind of took it too far. And even Larry Fink has admitted, you know what, we sort of got this, we got this wrong, got this wrong. I mean, he's, he's actually come out and said that because even he's aware of all the problems it caused. I mean, when you have sort of everybody ginned up with a social cause, this or another, then you start to actually lose sight of what you're supposed to do as a company. In the case of Bud Light, it would be to make sales, right? And to continue growing sales and not alienate your company as they did. I'm going to get to the commercial that they're using to try and save the place. But before I do, remember the damage done, okay? And it's like we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm-hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach. Ah, and then they got that other approach and then they lost $40 billion (laughs) in doing so in overall stock market valuation. So enter from stage left, none other than Mr. Bill Gates with his billions. And he's buying 1.7 million shares of the company. 1.7 million. Now, maybe he thinks he's getting a bargain here because he's only had to plunk down some $100 million for those shares. He actually, interestingly, nearly spent a billion dollars on Heineken. Interesting. Hmm? So he's, he's betting big, more so, on Heineken. But maybe he figures, maybe he figures they've kind of seen the end of it. I, I'm not so sure because what I've seen, and I've been looking at the the sales data that comes in every week is that you're just seeing this plunge downward. The latest numbers I saw showed a 30% decrease in sales of Bud Light. And what you're seeing is the ripple effect, right? The domino effect through the rest of the company. AB InBev is a very big conglomerate. It was purchased by a Brazilian company. It was a Brazilian beer company called InBev. And then they got together with a European company and they go in and they buy none other than Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch, great American brand. You remember the Clydesdales, right? The, you know, great, great American brand. And they turned it into AB InBev. And so suddenly now they have all kinds of beer brands that they're selling all over the world. And so perhaps the investment advisor for Bill Gates is thinking, well, you know, they've gone down as far as they're going to go. And uh, maybe these commercials will help bring back the audience. I don't think this audience or these drinkers are coming back, period. I think they're gone depleted. And I think it will have continuous ripple effects throughout the rest of the company and across all of their other brands. I don't think that can be undone. I mean, there's certain things that people can't unsee. You know what I'm talking about. Even when you try and play commercials like this one. So I'm not playing it at full volume because there's some music there and there's all kinds of rules about the music you can play and not play, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at this commercial, I'm showing it to you right here. What do they keep focusing on? Sort of everyday folks, right? Because that is, that's who drinks them. And 
going to a football game because football is America. Football is every day. Football is supposed to be Bud Light barbecues. You see, you see, you see. Young guys, football team, you know, down at Georgia Southern, they put the entire football team's faces on the Bud Light cans. And they encourage the kids in the stadium. By the way, I don't know how you can really do that because a lot of these kids are underage, but whatever. So they encourage the kids in the stadium to scan the QR code for the chance of winning a flight, a private flight over the football stadium, courtesy of Bud Light. So this is called Easy to Sunday, Easy to Enjoy Bud Light. And that is their new hope. I mean, they they have one like every week and it's not making a difference because they offended they're drinkers in a really massive way. And let's just face it, like that's an easy replacement. You can go to Coors Light. You can go to Mick Ultra. Oh, forgive me, that would be another. By the way, that is an Anheuser AB InBev company. But Coors Light, of course, is owned by Molson Coors, which has seen appreciation in their stock price. Or you can go to many, many others. I mean, the, the one that keeps getting the, the, you know, the prize is, is Modelo. That's now the number one beer in America used to be Bud Light. Hmm. Wow. Flame is feeding. (laughs) Fleeting, as they say. All right, I want to turn to another big story today because we have just learned that more money is being spent, of course, in Ukraine. It comes, as we just also learned, over the weekend. They tried to bury this story, but I saw it. That the defense minister in Ukraine is being fired again. I believe this is the second one. They've fired some deputies along the way as well. And he's being fired for graft because you see there's some kind of deal there where they overcharge the U.S. and then they pocket the difference and off they go to Dubai to live happily ever after. I mean, this is this is not good because it's our money. It's our taxpayer money, regardless of what you think about Ukraine, regardless of what your stance is on that. I would just say this. We are all responsible people. We are all responsible citizens. Ought we not to demand more from our lawmakers to make sure that these guys over in Ukraine are responsible? Thank you very much with our dollars. Here's Jake Sullivan out this week saying everybody's good with this. You know, everybody in the House and the Senate, they're all on board. Everybody's willing to spend the money. Listen. Uh, Our view is that the strong bipartisan support for Ukraine in the Congress, in both the House and the Senate, Uh, has been on evidence, has been on display, not just in the past votes for Ukraine funding, but in the current public statements of critical members of both parties in really important positions in the Senate, as well as key chairs of committees in the House. And so we believe that there is still, while there are some dissonant voices, a strong core on a bipartisan basis of support for ensuring that we continue to provide Ukraine with the support that it needs because it's fundamentally in America's national interest to do so. Hmm. So he says everybody's on board, everybody in Congress, everybody in the Senate, everybody's in line. So we got out of Afghanistan, obviously, in quite a rush. It was a debacle. I mean, I, I, I rarely cry over the news. I'll, I'll, just, I'll let that out there because, you know, I've been around this forever and I've kind of seen a lot and seen a lot up close and personal, literally. And I I was really just devastated by what happened in Afghanistan and our rush out. And it seemed to be very contrived. In other words, there was this desire to to make a deadline or to 
to, to beat the deadline, right, on the 20th anniversary of Afghanistan. So we rushed out of the place. And in doing so, the horror that was left behind and continues to be left behind, because by the way, if you believe in women's equality, there's no way for two seconds you can say it's fair what's going on in Afghanistan for young girls. Anyway, we hightailed it out of that. And what did we do? We, we, we went running into this. And again, I'm not going to debate all the reasons why and the fear that, you know, somehow Russia is going to take over the rest of Europe if we don't come to Ukraine's aid. But I am going to ask you why we are sending now depleted uranium rounds depleted uranium rounds. This is like some serious stuff. And if you look it up online, you know, they're not actually banned in war, but they're not actually welcomed because they're really darn toxic. This is toxic stuff that you have to be extremely careful with. I'm going to share with you something just from the International Peace Bureau talking about uranium Rounds, depleted uranium, while depleted uranium, it reads, is less radioactive radioactive than natural uranium, you'd think, it still retains all the chemical toxicity associated with the original element. In large doses, the kidney is the target organ for the acute chemical toxicity in this metal, producing potentially lethal tubular necrosis. Okay, so this is bad stuff. I mean, this, this is coming from the guy that's Mr. Environment. And, and now they're going to go forward with these depleted uranium rounds over there in Ukraine, something that CNN picked up on and asked the State Department. They sent out some deputy spokesperson. She couldn't really answer this. She thinks, she thinks we got to trust the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians who are like siphoning off all the money there in the Defense Department, that we have to keep firing these people over and over again. Listen. The United States is expected to announce a military aid package that, for the first time, will include depleted uranium munitions. This is a military aid package going to Ukraine. It will include depleted uranium munitions. That is according to a U.N. official. With me now is Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh. Sabrina, great to see you. And look, these depleted uranium rounds, they can pierce armor plates like those found on tanks because they're made of a highly dense metal. But... They are mildly radioactive. So what do you say to those who suggest, A, this is an escalation in the type of weaponry being sent to Ukraine, and B, what about the environmental concerns? Well, thanks, John, for having me. It's great to be with you. Again, I'm not going to get ahead of any um, announcements that the Pentagon hasn't made yet today. But what I will say is these rounds are standard use in the tanks that um, not only the U.S. uses, but that we will be providing the Ukrainians. And if they are included in the packages that um, are coming forward in the coming in today or in the coming weeks, we have absolute confidence that the Ukrainians will use them responsibly as they fight to take back their sovereign territory uh, in, in the east and the north as well. Mm, okay, they're going to be super responsible, just like they were super responsible with our U.S. tax dollars putting it in their own pockets, for goodness sakes. I mean, guys, give me a break. What is it, right? You're out there insisting that we have so much deference for the environment. How, how is it that I'm suddenly becoming the environmentalist? How is it that I'm the one who's like, wait a second, you're sending depleted uranium toxic material to Ukraine? Like, when you get Trish Regan now saying, wait a second, hey, maybe, maybe you guys ought to like think about the environment for a second, and yet they're not doing that. We're going to have more on that in a second because there's another breaking story coming to us at this moment from Reuters. It looks like Joe Biden's going back on his word there in Alaska. You see, first he promised he was never going to drill. Then he announced he was going to drill. 
And everybody flipped out. Well, now he's coming out and saying again, I'm not going to drill. Maybe it's because, you know, he's got to send these depleted uranium rounds over to Ukraine. He knows that's going to be pretty upsetting for the environmentalists. Let's tell you what's just upsetting for the U.S. taxpayer is that we still don't know just exactly what he did or didn't do or what his son did or didn't do. Actually, I should be a little bit more forthcoming on that. I'm pretty sure that we knew what his son did. I think that's pretty evident. That's really come out in, in more ways than one. And again, you're not taking my word for this. This is NBC News, which prides itself on being uh, pretty liberal, shall we say. They said $11 million went from Ukraine into Biden's pockets, into the various LLCs, the 20 of them that were created shortly after Joe Biden became vice president of the United States of America. His son goes out and, of course, creates all these LLCs and then starts collecting from Romania, from Ukraine and from China, including a diamond, an actual raw diamond. One of the billionaires, an energy billionaire in China. Interestingly, all energy companies, a lot of them, Burisma, then the energy company in Ukraine. That guy brought him a diamond and they went out to dinner in Florida. He hands it to him. He got a Porsche from Romania. I mean, come on. Come on. And then he doesn't pay his taxes, like $2 billion worth of taxes. And then we learned what he spent the money on. And Gary Shapley actually came out on CBS News. I'm not going to play the clip again because it's kind of sorted. I was shocked that they played this on morning television on CBS Morning News, but they did. And uh, let's just say that Hunter was not exactly what you would call a stand-up citizen in any way, shape, or form. And so the money went to some really grotesque stuff. Here we go. Here is Joe Biden saying, oh, no problem. Nothing to see here. Just a couple months ago on MSNBC. First of all, my son's done nothing wrong. I trust him. I have faith in him. And it impacts my presidency by making me feel proud of him. Oh, gosh, you know. Who wouldn't be proud of a kid like that? Hmm? There's a lot there and we need to get to the bottom of it. The names alone, the various names that Joe Biden went by and we're learning of more and more. And this is more than just the big guy. I'm talking about the emails, 5,400 of which are going to be delivered courtesy of a Freedom of Information Act to the American public. There was a a law firm actually down south, uh, a group that asked for this from National Archives. They've been dragging their heels a little bit, but, you know, it'll come out. It'll come out in part because I kind of suspect the Democrats want it to come out because they know that Joe Biden, it's going to be tough going in 2024. It's one of the reasons why they're so desperate to get Donald Trump behind bars or to keep him off the ballot, even if it means bringing us to a constitutional crisis courtesy of this 14th Amendment bogus narrative that they're putting forward. I mean, you want to start doing that, guys? Saying, well, he can't run for president because he caused an insurrection, except that of the 91 different charges, none of them happen to be insurrection. He has not been charged with that. I mean, please. So Joe Biden was up to something. There was a story I brought you yesterday that was breaking because there was another FOIA request that went in courtesy of the Heritage Foundation, and they delivered some of the emails that they received from government to the Federalist. And there's a reporter over there, Margot Cleveland, who did a big article on this. Emails obtained by the Heritage Foundation following a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit, she writes, and shared exclusively with the Federalist, revealed that lies leaked to the New York Times about the origins of damning evidence implicating Hunter and Joe Biden in a bribery scandal were fed 
to Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. But it goes on because it seems as though this particular article was fed to the New York Times. And then the FBI very proudly took that article and then sent it all around so that eventually it got in the hands of U.S. Attorney David Weiss. So they're sort of saying, oh, you know, you're going to look like a fool if you go after this because this is nothing but a bunch of misinformation courtesy of Rudy Giuliani. I mean, when in doubt, I guess, pin it on Giuliani. (laughs) We know, I mean, we know, of course, and we have known that the whole laptop thing is true, even though they tried to tell us it wasn't. And that's just par for the course, right? They, they get really annoyed when you start to get too close, you find out a little too much information, and then they shut it down. And so they, they put out this big story in the New York Times, and the New York Times has a reporter that's too stupid to actually say, gee, I wonder what the bias is coming from the FBI source that's feeding me all this stuff. Anyway, part of this that got overlooked and that certainly the New York Times was not reporting on was that there was something called an FD-1023 that the FBI was in possession of, but kind of hoarded and wouldn't allow David Weiss and the IRS attorneys investigating the Hunter Biden situation, as well as Joe, because the whole Biden family was under investigation, they wouldn't allow them to see this FD-1023. You see, they had sort of a lockup going on because they were concerned about misinformation and they considered this, well, they considered it, I think they knew better, misinformation. This FD-1023, it's basically an interview with somebody who they considered a highly credible source a highly credible, confidential human source known as a, um, oh, they have a special, an acronym. I'll get it for you. (laughs) This is funny. CHS, CHS, credible human source. And this is somebody that had worked for the administration prior. This is somebody who had worked for the Biden administration. And basically what it came down to was that they learned through this confidential human source that Joe Biden had agreed to be paid $5 million dollars as bribe money to effectively take care of Burisma, and that Hunter Biden got the same. And according to this source, there's 17 tapes to prove it. So they got themselves quite a bit of a problem. And, you know, I don't see how you get around impeachment right now. Because we need to get to the bottom of this. If nothing else, for sure, Hunter Biden was engaged in illegal foreign lobbying. You're not allowed to do that. Tom Barrick, who, believe me, didn't need the money. This guy's a billionaire. He was very pro-Trump. I've known him a long time. He's a very, very big business person in L.A. And he, he trust me, like he, he's like on the Forbes list every year. He didn't need the money. But he got in trouble because, you know, he's trying to help his friends and he's got a friend here and a friend there and he tried to kind of set them up. And that qualified, as far as the government was concerned, as illegal foreign lobbying. I don't know if he was, I don't think he was paid anything to do it. He's just like, hey, my friend here, my friend there. I was like, wow. So they went after Tom Barrick, but they're not going after Hunter Biden, who was very explicitly getting paid for it. And then not declaring any of his payments either to the IRS, nor even bothering to you know, have the decency to register as a foreign lobbyist, as you are required to do, for goodness sakes. Anyway, this is the world in which we now live. And someone's going to go down. I think that if nothing else, 
we need to make an issue of this because we cannot have future political families coming into office. And don't give me the Trump thing and the kids. Like, just don't give it to me because I'm sorry. Those kids were legitimate business people themselves. They had a business. And you could argue, hey, maybe Jared got a little extra something from the Saudis because he had those introductions. But I'd also argue that their business suffered as well because look at the cancel culture that's going on. I mean, you can have it, right? Who the heck would want to run for president under these circumstances? Anyway, the Trump kids are nothing, 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 nothing like the Hunter Biden situation. You're talking orange to apples there. And so for any MSNBC contributor that wants to go on television and give us that song and dance, you know better. I know better. The world knows better. I would hope the judges would know better. I want to turn now to Denver, Colorado. We're in Denver, Colorado. Guess what? You have a better shot, ladies and gentlemen of making money as a protester, I guess, than anything else. You know, just take to the streets with BLM, and there you go. Maybe this is going to save BLM from bankruptcy. I reported some months ago that BLM was really on the edge, and they weren't managing their money very well. Funny how that happens to these communist organizations. They went out and spent on lots of property, nice houses. Of course, everybody that was related to Patrice, who was running the thing, Well, they got very big salaries, very big salaries. And at some point, the money didn't come in anymore. And once the money stopped flowing in, she wasn't really able to support those salaries, those lifestyles, those mortgages, et cetera. Well, maybe this will help her out because Black Lives Matter is getting $4.7 million from the city of Denver. How do you like that? I'm curious. Let me know. Let me know. I'm, I'm looking at these comments. We're going to get out to everybody's comments towards the end of the program. But I, I'd like to know what you think about that. The city of Denver giving $4.7 million. And by the way, I should point out that this comes on the heels of all the other money. You're now approaching some $20 million for these protests that went on in Denver. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away by this. Because what you're actually doing is you're encouraging people to protest. What they are arguing in the case of the $4.7 million that they're going to be paid, these protesters, they're saying that their rights were being infringed upon because the city of Denver was enforcing a curfew for them but not the rest of the city, and therefore that was a violation of their freedom of speech. Gosh, do you know how many times our freedom of speech has been violated? I think uh, a lot of us in the media ought to get together on that one. Anyway, $4.7 million going to these protesters in Denver. But let me share with you what the business owners are saying because the business owners that had their – properties completely wrecked and everything stolen. And some of them were small business owners that didn't have the appropriate insurance. They're struggling. Here's one of them appearing on Fox. Watch. His name, uh, I believe, is Mr. Monk. You know, it's been devastating. Um, You know, it'll probably take us anywhere from five to 10 years to recover from what happened. Right. And you lost $170,000. You know, you'd be getting money if you would have been protesting, uh, but you didn't. Oh, he didn't protest. Quick reminder, portions of the show are brought to you by LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. If you're interested in investing in gold or silver, go check them out. Go check them out right there. Because listen, no one's looking out for you. I mean, hey, if you're part of BLM, I guess you get somebody, somebody to turn to. This is part of my point. I mean, it, our, our priorities are all out of whack. So this poor business owner, he's in the hole, 170 grand. He doesn't have a way to get that money back. He said it's going to take him 10 years to pull out of that. And yet these protesters walk away with $4.7 million. There's something just inherently wrong. It's like we're, 
we're, we're, we're totally missing everything, like encouraging, if you would, violence and looting and aggressive, violent protests. I mean, let's not kid ourselves what those were. I'm not going to go back and show you all the video, but you've seen it, right? You've seen what happened. If somebody on Twitter was making the, the point that January 6th protesters, they wind up going to jail and the Black Lives Matter protesters somehow wind up with $4.7 million. Interesting, interesting uh, comparison there, if you would. What it tells you is that there is one team in charge and one team only. And that team is going to do whatever it needs to do to keep its team happy. Part of that includes, indeed today, this, this move by Biden to pull out of the Alaska wildlife drilling that he was never supposed to be in to begin with. Remember? He promised, he ran, he campaigned. I ran all this sound for you guys because I was like, this is great. When he first said he was going to go drill in Alaska, I'm like, whoa, didn't we see you over and over again say you would never, ever, ever, ever drill in Alaska? And then all of a sudden people are like, wow, energy prices are a little higher than we thought. Maybe it's time to drill. Well, now he says... This is per Reuters report just out today that he's canceling those efforts. The Biden administration is soon going to announce cancellation of Alaska wildlife drilling leases. <laughs> and you know why this is? Politics. Politics. You see, Joe Biden is getting hammered. Joe Biden doesn't stand much of a shot of even making it through to 2024. I mean, I'm convinced the Democrats are going to find some way, shape, or form to take him out of the game. That, you know, they, they know he's old, and everybody's talking about how old he is, and there's new polls saying he's just too old. Kamala Harris out in, a, in an interview just today saying that, you know, part of the deal is when you know you sign up for the vice president's position, you know you can step into the job at any moment. So she's like, you know, waiting in the wings there, desperate to come in desperate for that job to become the first female president. And she would be not only female, but she'd be black as well. So like double whammy there. Great. And then maybe she'll go away. That's what they're hoping. That's what they're hoping because they know they can't actually get her elected. She is a train wreck when it comes to having any kind of likability or appeal. You have only to look at her New Hampshire poll numbers. She has not been able to prove herself as anybody who is competent in terms of doing the job I still don't think she's been to the border, right? I mean, it's just been awful. And then, of course, she needs a lot of coaching in terms of how to speak, to avoid the word salad, and to stop laughing ridiculously. So Kamala's out. They probably would like to go and tap Gavin Newsom. And they think maybe they'd have a shot. But anyway, this is a desperate move. Joe Biden has figured out he is not in the good graces of the environmentalists. Of course, he's out there with depleted uranium rounds that he's sending to Ukraine. And he's like, okay, I want, I want the environment to be all great. I want to say I've done all this stuff for the environment. But the truth is, I haven't because of Alaska and because of Ukraine. So I, I'm going to back off Ukraine right now. What is it going to do? It's going to send oil prices even higher. Mark my words. This is a team that has no plan, no energy plan, no border plan, no international plan, no economic plan. It was pretty evident 
when Jennifer Granholm first came in as U.S. Energy Secretary, as the woman that used to be the governor of Michigan and then briefly had a show on MSNBC, still wants to be a television commentator. She went on Bloomberg with my good friend Tom Keene, who just very fairly, and Tom is a straight shooter, he's not really political, he just really likes to drill down on these economic questions, and he asked her, this would be probably around 2021, sometime in winter 2021, whether there was a plan in place, right, to, to help with energy prices, because at the time, gas prices were going way up, even though I think on the screen you'll see a pretty low price, but he's like, what are you guys going to do? Watch. In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the grand home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand oh on gosh. this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC, and they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. Do they like teach Democrat women to just laugh when they don't know the answer to something? She has no plan. She's blaming OPEC. I mean, for goodness sakes, Jennifer Granholm, do not blame OPEC. Do your part. You can be energy independent if you drill here. But no, 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 no. We can't do that because of the environment. The answer for Jennifer Granholm was, why doesn't everybody just go buy a $60,000 EV? Case closed, right? Like they have 60 grand just hanging around. I mean, there is no policy. No policy never has been, never will be from this team other than to manipulate, to try and tell you it's raining out when in fact the sun is shining to try and tell you the economy's great when in fact it's awful, to try and tell you you're a girl when you were born a man. Like, this is, this is bigger than, than I, I think we're even thinking about right now. They, they basically want to confuse the American public enough. I mean, if you really want to drill down into what the progressive, extremist progressive agenda is, it's to basically turn the world upside down so that you don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore. And in doing so, then they really have power over you. And this is what people are fighting back against. I played the other day a little clip. I wonder if I can find it again for you. This would be of a person who has an idea that we can just noun ourselves this person, and I say person, I, I assume it's a she, but one never knows these days, right? Who has this theory that, you know, forget the pronouns. Why not just take this a step further, a step further and actually call yourself by whatever it is you want to be defined by. If you want to be a hammer or a nail or a cat or a dog, go for it. Okay, it's weird, right? It's like super weird. I'm just warning you. Like, it is what it is. But you need to know how crazy it's getting. You need to know that they're given this stuff the time of day. Here we go. Self was, so let's talk about it. Noun self is a form of neo-pronoun where an individual will use a noun to replace a pronoun. So instead of using he, him, she, they, they, he, she, they will use a noun in place of that. Now, what noun can they use? Well, to be honest, it's really up to the individual, kind of like emoji self. Some people may choose a noun that best reflects their gender identity. They may use nouns that all have a similar theme. Or they may just use a noun that they really like and enjoy the sound of or 
the word it's really up to the individual and they can use as many nouns as they want they can use multiple nouns just like you might use multiple pronouns or they may use just two pronouns to identify with or to be referred to mm. in that previous clip i didn't mean two pronouns i meant two words in place of two pronouns so oh. instead of he him they may use bug and bug self Hope that makes sense. So as I just said, bug is the example that I will use. So if I was talking about my friend who used bug and bug self as pronouns, I would say, oh, me and bug are going to go head out for some pizza. Bug really wants to get pineapple on pizza. I don't really like pineapple on pizza, but it's bug's favorite. Oh, and that's the wow. Okay, so you get the picture. You get <laughs> Crazy. And yet this woman who you see on screen, she's embracing it. She's embracing that and more. So uh, full disclosure, like, I, I guess I'm just not up on my rap music because I had no clue who this woman was. Literally no clue. But she's like one of the most famous rap artists around right now. Her name is Doja Cat, original name Amalia Rotsna Z Zandiel Dalavine or something. Um, Forgive the injustice to that name. Anyway, the Wall Street Journal says she's a skilled technical rapper with a strong melodic sense. Is there melody in rap? I thought there was just rhythm. And bold visual presence. So bold. The Doja Cat, because that's what she goes by, actually went as a cat to the Met gathering last spring and now she's out with even worse stuff. I'm going to get to that in a second. But but take a look at here, her here, trying to, trying to be a cat. Okay, so tell me all about this. Wow. I mean, <laughs> who? Wait, so who made it? Wow. Wow. Okay, so something a little different. So, what was your inspiration for tonight? Be honest with me and go into detail. So what are you excited to see in there today? Wow. Is it your first Met? Wow. I'll see you in there. Wow. <laughs> Seriously. Like, what the heck? Really, what the heck? But, but it, it gets better, guys. It gets better. It gets worse. So there's this now myself going on. Doja Cat's all in. Because, you know, they just can't stop pronouns, apparently. And not only is she all in on that, she's now all in on going satanic. Doja Cat, who you're lucky if you've never heard of, but happens to be a very, very famous female rapper right now, 27 years old. She's got a new album out and she's going full on satanic. Take a look. Doja Cat. Yay. Okay, so I get a couple images. I'm not going to show them all because some of them are pretty much just grotesque. But you see, like, like whatever happened to Madonna being like really out there with her kind of laced outfits and leather and her rosary be be beads and, and singing Papa Don't Preach. I mean, right? Like <laughs> This is like, this is a whole other level. Here's another picture of her. Yay. I mean, Why? Why? Like, what, what is the point? What, okay, I get it, lady. You want attention. You're an attention honk. So you got to go and act like a cat when you're at the Met Gala. 
And then you got to go act like a devil for your release of your new album. But the problem is, guys, this is where the, the problem really creeps in, is that this affects our youth. It affects a young population. And it's a culture that really is fast deteriorating. And the likes of Black Lives Matter, which gets handed $4.7 million when they go out and protest, as though they're in the right, by these violent actions, they get paid by city council. And it's somehow okay for us to push a satanic narrative on the young people that listen to this. You, you understand how twisted and messed up this is. I mean, think about what went down with Target. Target with its Tucket swimsuits. Well, you know, they actually had a satanic designer that was designed. This is like one of the products that the satanic designer that was doing the onesies was also doing on the side. I mean, really? I, I mean, people people are like, you know, there's it's a conspiracy that conservatives are all worked up and they think that they're trying to promote Satan with kids. But I'm like, I mean, it's there. Like, wh- what are we supposed to assume? I mean... When Target is hiring a designer who has an entire line of satanic merchandise because Satan respects pronouns, according to this Eric, Eric Cartel, I think, is the name of the designer who used to be female but is now identifying as male. Anyway, it's it's pretty bad. There's like a whole worshiping Satan thing that this designer from Target. Again, they didn't have the satanic merchandise in, in Target. I should be clear on that. But they hired a designer whose claim to fame was their satanic merchandise to do the rainbow onesies. Come on. And, and, and then they they think that it's like one big joke. And they think it's funny when they're in Tompkins Square chanting this one weekend in New York City a few months ago. They're saying, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. You know, I I mean, like, people are only going to take so much. They're only going to take so much. But just because I know that you want to know everything, you're probably like, I can only take so much. Let me just share this one with you. This was found by my friend Seth Dillon, who runs Babbly on B. Babbly on B, absolutely hysterical. I encourage you, highly encourage you to follow that site because you'll you'll appreciate so many of their headlines, which actually are jokes and then turn out to be true. What do you know? Well, Seth is the, the brains behind all of this. He's been on the program. He tweeted this out the other day, and I had to go and check it just to be sure. I went and did a search myself because the first thing that came up on the Internet when you asked the question, can men menstruate, is this. Having a period is not a feminine thing, and people of all genders menstruate, including non-binary people, agender people, and even plenty of men. (laughs) Wow, I guess I missed that part of biology class. Come on. All right, you guys can do the search yourself. It's the first thing that comes up. What is this? Really and truly, what is this? other than a deliberate plot to confuse people to the point where they don't know what's what, but here's the thing that they're missing. Human beings will not be that easily confused. Human beings will stand up to this as they should because they need to protect themselves and their children. They need to protect our future, our country, our culture. And this is why you can't have weak leaders like Joe Biden, who sends his son out, Hunter, 
groveling for, for money from all these two-bit countries in hopes that the U.S. will effectively sanction them and offer them their blessing and funds in return. There's a lot at stake right now. It's a tough time. I hope you've subscribed. If you haven't, do me that favor. Also, do me the favor of going over to my website, trishreganshow.com. It's a work in progress. I can't wait to tell you about it when the new one comes out, but the email list is there. So just sign up for my email at trishreganshow.com so we do have a direct way to communicate. And that's, that's critical right now. All right, getting out to the comments right now because so many of you have a lot of things to say. You know, <laughs> I see, I see yeah, yeah, you like the Doja Cat thing. Unbelievable, right? Like it's totally, 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 totally weird. Um, it is an attack, John, I agree with you, on womenhood. And what I'd like to understand is where are the women? Can you, can you imagine, for example, if a minority was applying to school, and, and I know the Supreme Court changed everything, so you know maybe these rules are not as applicable anymore, although that's debatable depending on the school because they're all going to find their workarounds. But it used to be that you could put somebody who was black in a, in a separate bucket, and they got a certain sort of, uh, well, boost, right, because of the color of their skin. Can you imagine... If, if every, you know, white person just suddenly said, well, I identify as black today, I identify as black. And so when I apply to Harvard, I'm going in as black student. Can you imagine what the minority community would say in response? They'd be like, no way. You can't do that. Well, how is that any different than somebody who has been born male choosing to become female in order to race against women in college sports. I mean, where are the women saying, no way, you can't do it. I mean, I'd just get right up out of that pool, if it were me swimming, and say, you're on your own. And get all the other ladies to come with me. They should not even engage in this. They shouldn't allow it. Women need to be stronger. We need to stick up for ourselves and our daughters and our country. It is an assault on every single female. They are dragging us through the mud. It's really the ultimate. If you think of it, hey, I know I got a lot of guys watching, but it's like the ultimate triumph of men. Because men are the ones that win in that scenario. (sighs) You see, you're getting my Irish up. Anyway, good to see you again, all of you. I'm just looking through Jay, uh, Mark. Yeah, I, I see the mampons. I mean, so that that's the problem, right? You just never knew you were menstruating all these years. Rob, good to see you. OMG is right. Absolutely. Rick, hello. Don, good to see you back here again. It is insane. And there's a part of me that's like, okay, why do we even give it the time of day? I, I've said that for years. And in fact, in the past, have chosen often not to cover these stories because I think they're so out there, but they're not out there anymore. This is mainstream. And they are coming for your kids, and they are coming for you, and they are coming for women. What do you think the whole Karen thing's about? It's about making women less powerful. If you're a middle-aged woman that wants to stand up for yourself, that wants to, to say, hey, you know, maybe I want this or that, or like suddenly now you're a Karen. They are doing everything they can to demoralize and erase women. And what I want to see is more women coming together 
and saying, you know what? Thank you very much. I'm not racing today. I'm getting out of the pool. I'm not changing in that locker room. And no, he can't use that ladies room with me. Listen, I have all the empathy in the world. I really do. And I have a performing arts background. And believe me, I've known my share of all kinds of people and consider them friends. And and this is not, this is not a personal thing in any way. This is when you try to bully it upon a culture by insisting it's your way or the highway. We can be very, very, very empathetic. We can be very welcoming to a lot of people. But when you literally want us to drink the beer and you literally want the girls in the pool with the biologically born man who was ranked number 400 and something but now wins first place, I'm sorry, you're taking it too far, all right? Too too far. And I hope this comes back to haunt them in a massive way in this election cycle. That is the power we have, ladies and gentlemen. That is the power we have. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Lots of interesting things happening. We'll chat then.